right, well, what a way to get started today. We're so grateful uh, to be able to come together and to sing and to worship and to celebrate what God's doing here at Crossroads Church. And so I want to welcome uh, those of you joining us online, uh, wherever you may be today, whether that be Facebook, YouTube, Crossroads Live, also at Fort Lupton, and of course here at Thornton. If you are new with us, man, I'm grateful that you are here today. Uh, we are starting a brand new series. If you are new here at Crossroads, one of the things that we commonly do here in our practice is we do and we preach and teach through things that we call a series, where we take like three weeks to maybe 10 weeks to look at a topic or a book of the Bible and see everything that God has to say uh, in those times and in those spaces. And so uh, we're just coming off a series, and I'm like getting back in the saddle the last four weeks. Pastor Chris here and Alex up at Fort Lupton uh, led us through a series called Does the Church Care, where we brought together uh, kind of the topics of suffering and care and comfort and, and the church's role in all of that. And I would just encourage you, if you missed any of that, to go back and to check that out on YouTube, to check our archives in that. It's a series that you don't want to miss. But today, we are starting a brand new series on parenting. That's where we're going for the next couple of weeks, as a series on parenting. And the reason that we're doing this is because the reality is, is, is that this topic is a big deal in our culture, isn't it? That it is a big deal in our culture. And if we look at like the whole issue of parenting, like parenting at the end of the day is really hard. There seems to be like this endless array of parenting options out there for us to pursue, and in the hustle and bustle of all of the activities of life, regardless of like what stage of, of parenting life you're in, like maybe you have littles at home or bigs, or your bigs are gone and have bigs, right? Like regardless of whatever area that you're in, like parenting is just difficult. And in all of those activities and the things of parenting, it's very easy for us to lose our joy, to lose our, our motivation, to lose the meaning, the purpose of what it means to be mom and dad. And so very simply, this series over the next six weeks, we're going to take a, a topic each week, a truth each week, this unchanging principle, and we're just going to explore that unchanging principle. And the hope is, is that this would give us, as parents, the strength, the motivation, the rest that you need to face whatever you are facing in this complex world in which we live in. And so that's where we're going over these next couple of weeks. Now, just a quick personal word, uh, word. Honestly, speaking and teaching on parenting is something that no pastor wants to do like ever. <laughs> like preaching on parenting is absolute judgment. And if you are a uh, parent, maybe you would kind of get this or understand this a little bit, but nobody wants to be judged as a parent, do we? And so most preachers like never want to speak on or teach on parenting until like our kids are grown and gone and we know if they were a success or not in life. Like that's just kind of the truth of where it's at. And the reality is, is for every single one of us as parents, if you are a parent, that this statement is probably true, that nothing in life consistently shows me that I need the forgiveness and grace of God like being a parent. Like nothing humble me, humbles me quite like being a parent. And just to say it one more time, the reality is, is that parenting is just difficult. Parenting is just hard. I mean, you don't even, you can look at this statement and you don't even have to be a Christian to give that one an amen, right? Like, like that's just the truth of the matter. That's just the reality. And so I want you to know that as we jump into this series and I teach through this series, that I'm not doing it as an expert by any means. In fact, I would actually argue that there are no experts when it comes to parenting. So with that little bit of disclosure, I actually want to take a moment just to introduce you uh, to my family. Here's a picture of my family at Christmas Eve, just to show you a little bit of who I am. Uh, right there is my wife, Sarah, and this year is 20 years that we've been married together. Yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And I don't think that we ever dreamed that we would have kids. Like we thought that Jesus 
Jesus would come back before we had kids. But as you can see, we have three of them there. But my sister, or my sister, <laughs> I am from Kentucky, but she's not my sister, all right? So uh, my wife is a special ed teacher uh, in Adams 12. Uh, she's beautiful, she's kind, uh, she's incredibly relaxed, which is a gift from God because we have three kids that are just full of energy, rambunctious, like hair on fire. And so the oldest one there is Theo. Oftentimes you might see him around here on the stage. Uh, he's one of our camera guys here. He's uh, almost 14, he'll be 14 years old this month. And he is like detail oriented to the max. Like he's orderly, he, deep, he thinks deeply about things. Like he's not not just content with an answer, like he wants to know why things work. He's fiercely independent, like totally loyal to, to whoever's in his life. And he has this real strong sense of justice that just kind of just kind of motivates him in his life. Uh, next to him is my son, Cademan. And um, if you've never met Cademan, um, that is the 11-year-old version of me right there, all right? Like I tell him all the time, the older he gets, the better looking I'm going to get because this is what 41-year-old Cademan looks like. So, so he's, uh, he is uh, constantly, Sarah and I are constantly in awe of the compassion and sympathy that he has uh, for other people in this world. He loves the arts and culture, and, uh, and he just kind of sees the world differently. He sees colors and stories differently than other people. In fact, one of the things my wife and I say all the time is that we're just like, we're just living in Cademan's world. Like, this is really his world. We're just kind of all playing in it. Anybody have children like that? Just raise your hands, yeah. Anybody, that child? Yeah, a few of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah and, that. and then that uh, bundle of sweetness in the middle is my daughter, Mercy. She's nine. And she's never met a stranger in her entire life. She's a friend to everybody. And she loves the color pink. She loves shoes and fashion. And she also knows how to give noogies and drop elbows and keep her brother in line. And if you're looking for a prayer request, just to pray for Sarah and I, because we have no clue what to do when it, comes to, when it comes to our daughter and raising a daughter. So I share my family with you so that you can just see that I'm a regular guy with a regular family who happens to work at a church. And I get the opportunity, uh, at least almost weekly, to just share what God's teaching me in my life. And like I said, I'm not coming to this series as an expert, but rather as a disciple of Jesus who's opened God's word and searched the scriptures in order to maybe help uh, me understand what parenting looks like. That people tell me all the time when it comes to my teaching and preaching, they're like, Matt, you're so passionate and, and, and your preaching is so personal. And I kind of always like just respond in that because it's right from real life. And if I wasn't screwed up and God wasn't so gracious, like my sermons wouldn't be near what they are. And so this series is really being preached from an imperfect parent. And my intention is, is over the next couple of weeks to share some truths that I've learned from the scripture about parenting, not everything there is to know about parenting, all right? That's a, a good thing. We're not going to look at everything there is to know about parenting, just a few things that I've learned along the way. And so... If you're looking for a roadmap of where we're going, here's where we're headed so that you can see this. That week one, we're going to talk about uh, what you do matters. That's today. What you do makes a difference as a parent. And the next week, we're going to look at a second truth, that you're not a parent because you're able. Like nobody in this room, like before you had kids, was like, oh, look, like, like we're able. Like there's failure, right, in that. And there's these moments of regret and looking back on our lives uh, in this space. And we're going to talk about what does that look like from a scripture's perspective. Then week three, we're going to look at character for being greater than behavioral modification. I tell Sarah all the time, if complete obedience from my child is what was like, you know, the mark of success as a parent, then that would be easy, but it's not. There's something more to it. Uh, the fourth one is that the best change happens slowly over time. To begin to think of parenting, not just in this like moment by moment kind of category, but to realize that once we become a parent, our parenting lasts a lifetime. 
Then week uh, five, we're going to look at the fifth truth, which is heartbreak happens. That as parents, if you are a parent, if you want to become a parent, if you know parents, then, then you know that heartbreak happens, doesn't it? From the, from the you know, absolute atrocities of life, like a miscarriage or, or losing a child, to a wayward son or daughter going off on their own, like heartbreak happens. Pastor Kim, our former senior pastor, is going to come back and help us walk through that truth. And then week six, I'll wrap it all up with your parenting is shaped by your identity. So those are the six truths that we're looking at. That's the roadmap of where we're going over these next six weeks. And so today we start with that first truth. And as we dive into this first truth today, I want you to wrestle with a question. And the question that I'm going to ask you is this, is what does success as a parent look like? What does success as a parent look like? Like, how do you define successful parenting in your life? What does that look like? If we were to take a poll, what would your answer be? Now, I imagine that there's probably as many answers to that question as there's people in this room, but maybe you would say, Matt, like successful parenting looks like what success as a parent looks like for me is to make sure that my kids, when they're, when they're grown up, that they, found a sp- they find a spouse, they have two kids, they have a successful career, and everything's orderly in their, orderly in their lives. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you would go, man, success as a parent looks like for me that my kid never experiences like heartbreak or hardship in their life. For others of you, maybe you would say success as a parent for me is to make sure that my kids' nose stays clean, right? Like no trouble, no drugs, no alcohol in their lives. Maybe for you, successful parenting looks like your kid growing up and, and playing professional sports, Maybe for you, it's to say, you know what? Like, I want to provide for my kids in ways that they never are without, that they never know once. Again, when we're looking at the question, what makes a successful parent? What is success when it comes to parenting? There's probably as many answers as there are people in this room. But but just to press you a little bit, what's your answer? Like, Like, what is, how would you answer that question? Now that you have that in your head, I want to ask an equally important question, a second question to you. And the second question is this, is how did you come up with that answer? Like, why is that what successful parenting looks like for you? How did you get there? Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, how most of us define parenting success flows from our own childhood experiences and specifically the way our parents parented. Whether we want to admit it or not, the most influential part of our parenting comes from our childhood experiences. Good, bad, right? Whether you had great parents or or rough parents, whether your parents were around all the time or not at all, whether your childhood was great or not great, the single most influential factor of the way that you parent, the greatest influencer of your parenting, informing you how we parent, is how you were raised and how your parents parented. And it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a good thing. However, it is the greatest influencer when it comes to what you deem the standard of parenting is all about in your life. And standing up here on this stage today, I want to ask you a second kind of a third question in this. Is what if today I told you that when it comes to God and comes to the scriptures, that God has something greater to say about the standard of successful parenting and what successful parenting looks like that's even greater than the way that you were influenced as a kid. 
See, today what I want to do is I want to walk us through God's Word, and I want to do so in a way that you get a brand new lens, a brand new way of viewing your success as a parent. And the way that we're going to do it is by looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. It's going to be on the screen for us all to view and to look at. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have the great prophet of Israel, Moses, and he's writing something that came to be known as the Shema, all right? The Shema goes like this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. Verses 4, 5, and 6 make up what we call the Shema. Now, the word Shema in Hebrew just very easily just means to hear, like the first words there on the screen, to hear, O Israel. That's what Shema means. But over the course of time, Shema came to represent this grand prayer that has become a part of Jewish culture. That if you know anything about Jewish culture, then you'll know how big and huge the Shema is in the culture. That Shema is a prayer that's said daily by Jewish people. That if you're a Jewish person or know a Jewish person, then they say the Shema almost every day. Every day is what it is. The Shema is kind of the climactic moment. It's the final prayer of Yom Kippur, which is the holiest of holy days on the Jewish calendar. That Shema is the last prayer given as people take their final breath moving from this world into the next. That if you've ever seen a Jewish people recite the Shema, they do so with their eyes covered like this to block out the rest of the world and just to concentrate on the words, the Lord your God, the Lord is, is one. And oftentimes when we talk about the Shema, we think of it as this like, like this very Jewish thing. But the reality is, is the Shema is also deeply Christian. Maybe you remember the story of Jesus, that one day he's out and about, and these religious leaders coming up to him, and they're trying to trap him and to trick him, and they come up to him and they say, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Like there's 620 plus commandments in the Old Testament. What's the one's the greatest? What's the greatest law? Do you remember Jesus' answer? He begins to quote a version of the Shema. He says, the greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your minds. See, we often think of the Shema as, as Jewish, but as a deeply Christian thing. It's a prayer and a command that cuts to the heart of our faith to acknowledge God's existence and then to surrender to his authority. And Moses writing here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, I want you to take the Shema, I want you to take this command, this statement, this prayer, and I want you to bury it deep into your heart. Memorize it, recall it. It's meant to rule the heart of every person who's ever lived. I mean, this is such a foundational verse to our faith, hugely important. I mean, there's very few verses in all of Scripture that get as much play as this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you may be sitting here going, Matt, like all great information, what in the world does any of this have to do with parenting? <laughs> That's a really good question. It's verse 7. I want you to repeat it with me. Say it out loud with me. Right after Moses gives this Shema, he looks at the people in Israel and he says this. Let's read it together. You shall teach them diligently to your, to your children. He goes on in verse 20, he expands on what all that means, and he says this, that, that when your son asks you in a time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the rules, the laws that the Lord our God has commanded you? 
Then in that moment, you shall say to your son that we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all of his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. In just a few short lines, in just a few short paragraphs, God summarizes through Moses what it means to be a successful parent and what it looks like. And Moses would look at you and me today based out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he says this, that your parenting, it matters. That your parenting, it, it makes a difference because God chose you. He chose you to be the consistent and faithful instrument. That your parenting matters. It makes a difference more so than your career, more so than your successes, more so than your fame or your money or your stuff. That your parenting, it makes a difference because God has chosen you as the consistent and faithful tool placed in his hands to bring about in your child's life the acknowledgement of, of God's existence and goodness in this world. That God has chosen you. Now, the reality is, is that when it comes to parenting, that most of us will hit the target that we're aiming for. That very few parents miss the target that they're aiming for when it comes to parents. That, that we're pretty good at hitting the target when it comes to parents. The, que the question then that cuts to the heart of the matter is, are you actually aiming at the right targets? See, God says that the, that the goal of parenting, the goal when it comes to parenting, is not that your kids grow up and, and get married. He says the goal of parenting is not that your kids grow up and, and get a successful career. The, the goal of parenting is not that your kids stay out of trouble 100% absolute. He says those are all things that are good things. We shouldn't just throw those to the side. That we, should, that we should long for those things. We should want those things for our kids. But that's not the goal of parenting. And listen, if you're a Christian parent here, let's just get real for a moment. The goal of successful, the successful parenting, the goal of parenting is not that your kid becomes saved. We all long for that as believers, don't we? To see our kids knowing Jesus. But if I can just be blunt for a moment, you can't save yourself. You certainly can't save your kid. That, that only Jesus can do that. That's Jesus' job. Moses says here in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that your goal as a parent, that, that the way that you deem successful parenting, the standard in which you're to live by, is to create space for your child, no matter how old your child is, big, little, everywhere in between, to create space in your child's life to give them opportunity after opportunity to experience God and his goodness, that you are the faithful instrument. Moses says, what you do matters. What you do makes a difference. And hear me on this. God did not make a mistake by selecting you. God did not make a mistake by choosing you to lead your children. That Jesus has called you to himself or is calling you to himself. He is opening your eyes to see his existence, his presence, his grace, his mercy, his glory, his rule, so that you would submit your lives to him and then you would look at your children and go, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it's like to see the existence of God and the goodness of God in this world, that you are a tool in the creator's hands, ordained, blessed, consecrated, anointed as the irreplaceable instruments in the powerful hand of God to lead your children. 
that one of my hobbies in life is woodworking. I, when I'm not at the church, I love to do woodworking. And part of the reason that I love woodworking is because I can take old things and restore them and make them beautiful. It's a little bit like pastoring, only people are hard to fix, all right? They're hard to restore. It takes more time. This is more instant. And so I do a lot of woodworking in my life. And one of the tools of woodworking is a, is a sander. And the reality is, is when it comes to a sander, if I just place the sander on the table, it doesn't actually do anything, does it? It just sits there. But when you put a sander in the hands of a craftsman, all of a sudden what you do is you take a 116-year-old piano, like this one, found in North Clinton, and you take the time necessary with the tools that have been given, and eventually it becomes a beautiful restored piece that you can put in your house. See, you are an instrument. You're a tool placed in the hands of a creator to bring about the, the knowledge of existence of God into your child's life, to help them see the glory, to restore old things into beauty. See, your child, whether you believe it or not, has flaws just like that 116-year-old piano. That your child, whether you believe it or not, has a concerning dilemma. That your child has this troublesome reality to look out into the world, to live in the world, and not see God. That your child can walk through this world and see the beauty and the truth in the signs, and never once think, what is the beauty, the truth, and the signs actually pointing to? Who is it actually pointing to? That your children have this, have this ability, this troublesome ability to look out into the world and to miss God's existence and to miss God's glory. And at some point, if it hasn't happened already, at some point your child is going to begin to ask questions and the questions that are hard. And they're going to begin to wonder why you have the rules that you have. And I'm not just talking like religious rules. I'm talking like regular house rules. And at some point, your child's going to start wondering about good and evil. And at some point, your child's going to begin to wonder who the person is that put you in charge of them. And if you have a teenager, why that person in charge put you, who is so dumb and stupid and doesn't know anything about the world, in charge of them, right? I mean, that's just the way teenagers are, right? See, sadly, most of us, most of us parents, when confronted with those kind of questions, we resort to, because I told you so. And as long as we can domineer, as long as we can kind of cause some fear in our child's life, then that answer works, at least for a little while. But Moses comes in, and in this passage, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, remember, what you do makes a difference. Because you're an instrument being used by God. And as this begins to unfold, he takes us to verse 20. And he says in verse 20 that there's going to be a moment where your sons and your daughters, they come and they start asking questions. Why all these rules? Why these statues? Why these testimonies? Why all this stuff when it comes and concerns the Lord? And Moses says in that moment, you have an amazing opportunity to make sure that every rule that you have in your house, religious or not, is grounded in the existence of God. And when your child breaks that rule, when your child breaks the rules of your house, that in that moment, instead of just threatening punishment, that you have the opportunity to point them towards not just a creator, but a God who came and died for them. And when your daughter comes and she starts questioning good and evil, 
and the right and wrong in her life, that that's your opportunity to woo her with the grace and the mercy of God. And as your children age and begin to move out of your house, then it's in those moments, it's in those moments that you have the opportunity, the absolute opportunity to come alongside them and to remind them time and time again of God's patience and his love. And Moses says that we're to talk about these things in every walk of life. That when we're driving them to and from school to t-ball practice and back, when we're taking walks around the park, when you're picking up your grandkids to have them over for a sleepover, when you invite your adult kids to the dinner table, Moses says, remember, remember, point your kids to the God who exists and the world that he's created that's full of goodness. Talk it over and over again, how God willingly exercises his power for our benefits and our good. And then he says, I want you to make sure that you go in these moments beyond your own authority and point them to God's authority, and then go beyond God's authority and point them to God's mercy and grace in their lives. He says, what you do as a parent matters that in the life of your child, you are an instrument that God is using to communicate the greatest truth any person can ever know. The character, the love, the grace, the mercy, and the plan of God for their lives. And that doesn't end, please hear me on this, that doesn't end when they move out of your house. It's the essential thing that's to be crafted in every person. It's the essential thing that Moses says, bury this deep into your hearts. And from the passage of Deuteronomy, Moses says it's the essential task that's given to you as the parent, not the church. Listen, when you stand in heaven accountable for your life and the spiritual growth of your children, it won't be crossroads standing there with you. We want to support you. We want to do everything that we can to make you successful as a parent. But that task is on you. Not the church, not the government, not the school, not the village. That every single one of those entities is to come alongside to help to bring benefit to you as a parent. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, none of those were designed to replace you that you were chosen for this task, that you were chosen to lead your child spiritually. What you do, it matters. And if you have a child, this is your calling, no matter what age they are. There's this little book called Choosing to Cheat. It's written by a pastor named Andy Stanley. And he writes in the book that oftentimes, particularly when it comes to men, that our identity is found in work and in home. And that there's this constant tension in our life that we have to manage between our work and our home life and the identity that we have in both and how they work together. And at one point in the book, he, he basically makes the point that he says that every role that you have in your life, almost every role in your life that you're replaceable in. Like in my life tomorrow, you could have a new senior pastor. Like I could be replaced here. That my wife could find a new husband, right? My car could find a new driver. My gym could find a new member. My sports teams that I play, like they could find another player. That in almost every significant role in my life that I can be replaced except for one. That the one place I can't be replaced is that I always and only ever be dad to Theo, Cademan, and Mercy. That that's the only place that I'll, that I'll never be replaced. That God has given you this unique responsibility that he's chosen you as the person who he would have in place, this unique responsibility to guide those truths into your child's heart, that God's chosen you. 
And it's this incredible weight, isn't it? When we start to think about it that way, it's this incredible weight that I began to feel as soon as Theo began to mimic the things that I did and said. And one day I looked out and I said, oh crap, he's becoming just like me, <laughs> right? Like, like this is the moment that it hit me. And on that day I realized that there couldn't be a more significant calling on my life than to create opportunity after opportunity for my children to see the existence and the goodness of God. And while that might look different and should look different, in each stage of life as they grow up and, and move outside of the house. The reality is, is that if you have a heartbeat, then God has called you to invest in the next generation. That as long as you are alive, your parenting matters. Your parenting makes a difference. The standard of parenting, at least according to the scriptures, is not whether your child is successful, grows up, has kids, keeps his nose clean plays professional sports, the standard when it comes to the scriptures is marked by pointing them continually and faithfully to Jesus. See, the Shema, when we think about it, at least in this context, we think about it in terms of teaching it to our kids, but the reality is that we are all kids, that God calls us his children, and faithfully and continuously he, he points us to him. And one of the most beautiful things about Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that it's the gospel. That the reality of every single one of us is that not only are our children flawed in this way of seeing God's existence and goodness in this world, but we have that same fatal flaw in all of us. That's why Jesus came into this world to die for our sins on the cross, three days later raising again that whoever believes in him would have life, would be a child, a child of God. See, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is all about all-encompassing love, that, that God can call us to love him because he loved us first. The great passage in Romans that God loved you, that Christ died for you while you were still sinners, an enemy pushing away from him. That Jesus came and died for you. That Deuteronomy chapter 6 is all about love, that God loved us first, and so too we love God with everything that we have inside of us. And maybe this is your first time or first time in a long time of remembering the love that God has for his children. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I'd invite you into that. We'd love to have that conversation. You can simply text the word Jesus to the number on the screen, 720-513-1933. We'll be on the other end to have that conversation. Before we go to communion, I would just like to pray with you. Would you bow your head as we pray? Father, we know that your presence is among us here. And Lord, today as we open the series on parenting, I wanna pray specifically for the parents in this room. God, I pray for the single parents and for those going through a divorce. God, I, I pray for blended families. Lord, I pray for the couples in this room who are, who are praying and hoping one day for a child. God, I pray for the parents who came from dysfunctional homes and those who came from functional homes. God, I pray, Lord, that you would renew our minds, that you would increase your anointing upon us so that we could spiritually lead those who are around us and specifically our children. God, I pray that you would burn that passion deep within us to lead out of love, to fully surrender and to depend upon you our Lord and our Savior. And Lord, today we commit, we commit to doing our part. Lord, to constantly and 
faithfully and consistently point our children to you, whatever age they are. And we thank you ahead of time for all the great things that you'll do through them and in them. And Lord, we pray that in your son's powerful name, the name of Jesus, amen. We come together for communion today. And it's a reminder to us of what it costs for you and I to become a child of God. That we're reminded that, that it was Jesus who went to the cross, whose body was broken so that we might have life. And so today we remember by eating the bread together. And it was through his blood that spilled there on the cross that we were given forgiveness and life eternal. And so today we celebrate that reality together. As we move into a time of worship through singing and song, we wanna open up the space to be able to pray with you. Parenting is hard, like I've said at least a hundred times. If you need prayer today for parenting or any other reason, we'd love to do that. We'll have people under the banner over here that you can make your way to online. You can simply push the button and we'll have someone there for you. But I'm gonna invite you all to stand. We're gonna sing a song out of Numbers chapter six about a blessing that's given to families today as a reminder that God is with you. He is always with you, even in this endeavor.